In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome to virtual worship at Mayflower Congregational Church. I'm Jonathan White, and with my friend and colleague, the Reverend Ruth Bell Olson, we're your interim ministry team. We're joined in leading worship this morning by Scott Bosher, our choir director, Dr. Julia Brown, our music director, and our ever-present, able stage manager, Pat McGuire. We have good news and bad news. The good news is we have a COVID partial reopening plan, uh, and we are trying to phase in uh, returning to Mayflower. The bad news is we hit an all-time high of COVID cases this week in the United States, and it's even worse for us here in Michigan because we're climbing again, and Kent County is the hot spot in Michigan right now. We'll see where our phased reopening goes. We'll keep everybody safe, God willing. Next week, we'll begin our stewardship campaign. Ken Goodson has agreed to be our chair, and he will have more to say about that next Sunday. I will say our theme is a bit different this year. We are not going to ask anyone to increase a pledge. In fact, we're going to ask those of you who have suffered job losses or income losses to take a sabbatical. We are simply going to try to hold where we are and serve our community. I have another announcement in case you haven't heard. Our wonderful office manager, Beth Shemko, is retiring at the end of the month. Beth doesn't want uh, a big send-off. She doesn't want to be the center of attention. But we'll hold her in our prayers, and we are so grateful for her service. Now uh, I would like to introduce Abby Brooks with a word about today's music and her ukulele friends from Mayflower Midweek. Good morning. My name is Abby Brooks, and I am the director of the Children's Choirs here at Mayflower. For the past six weeks, Rachel Cooley and I have been hosting Outdoor Midweek, which is different than we are used to, but it has been a wonderful time of outdoor fellowship and music making. There are three different music classes offered during the evening. There is a family music class for parents and children, an elementary music class for kindergarten through second grade, and a ukulele class for third through fifth grade. Today during this service, you will hear three of our ukulele players, William Kempinen, Diane Palfren, and Anna-Jane Scutt, as well as one singer, Blair Haddad. These children have worked hard to learn the three chords they need to play the song they will share today, which is Jesus Loves Me. When we first started playing, we learned the open strings of the ukulele. Then we began to strum the open strings and added the C chord, which requires one finger. Then we added the F chord, which requires two fingers. After we had practiced those, we added the G chord, which requires three fingers and can be difficult to play when starting to learn the instrument. However, our three ukulele players today have worked very hard and have come a long way since they started playing ukulele six weeks ago on September 9th. This week at midweek, we will begin learning a new ukulele song, and on November 22nd, there will be four more midweek participants here to play in the service. I am happy to be part of the wonderful music program here at Mayflower and thankful for the opportunity to still work with these children in a way that is safe, as well as providing them with a new way to experience worshiping God through music. Thank you. Thank you, Abby. And Thank you guys for coming here to play this morning. Abby, I will share with you something. I know the same three chords. 
and it allows me to play 6,923 country and western songs. And now, wherever you are, physically, however you're watching us, or if you're watching the replay on YouTube, wherever you are in your journey of faith, and whatever mystery you see, feel the great love. Feel the call that we have to worship, to participate, to simply be. Join us in worship. It's Sunday morning, and it's time for church. join me in the call to worship. You may read the responses in your e-bulletin if you care, or you can simply listen. For attaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Let us come together. Let us worship God.
Will you join me in the opening prayer? O Holy Lord, ruler of all things known and unknown, we ask to be open to you that we may discern the directions of our lives. We ask to be generous that we may discern the manner in which we use and give the gifts you have given us. We ask to be courageous that we may discern our actions in times of need and injustice. We ask to be spiritually free that we may discern our cause to ministry. We ask to be reflective that we may discern prayerfully the actions we have taken. We ask to examine ourselves that we may discern the importance of both methods and outcomes. And give us wisdom to examine the difference between your priorities and ours. We ask this in the name of the Most Holy. Amen. From the 96th Psalm. Listen for the word of the Lord. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless God's name. Tell of God's salvation from day to day. Declare God's glory among the nations. The Lord's marvelous work among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. God is to be revered above all gods. For all the gods of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before God. Strength and beauty are in the Lord's sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord glory, do his name. Bring an offering and come into God's courts. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. Tremble before the Lord, all the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
rehearse and rehearse these services, and Pastor John is the person who made the wrong step. Thank goodness we're a people of grace. Our second scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew, chapter 22, verses 15 through 22. Then the Pharisees went and plotted to to entrap Jesus in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance to the truth and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus was aware of their malice. He said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, Whose head is on this and whose title? They answered, The emperor's. Then Jesus said to them, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Immortal, invisible, God only wise, our Holy One, this we know, that you love us. Thank you for this precious reminder this morning. We are loved. We are valued. We have a purpose. The Bible tells us so. As we wrestle with the scripture today, Please be with us. Open our hearts to your word, your message, and your hope. Amen. The Pulitzer Prize for Poetry this year was granted to American poet Jericho Brown. His winning book of poetry titled The Tradition has been described thus as a collection of masterful lyrics that combine delicacy with historical urgency in the loving evocation of bodies vulnerable to hostility and violence. Bodies vulnerable to hostility and violence. Jericho Brown was interviewed by journalist and author Krista Tippett for her On Being podcast. In this interview, Tippett mused, There is a fragility to hope right now. It's hard to know that what I do and what you do can make a difference. Perhaps you feel that way this morning. Does hope seem fragile? Is it hard to know or have any sense that what you or I do makes a difference? Well, listen to Jericho Brown's response. He said, hope is always accompanied by the imagination, the will to see what our physical environment seems to deem impossible. Only the creative mind can make use of hope, and only a creative people can wield it. What does it mean to wield hope? How might we apply this to our text this morning, or to our lives, or to the broken world around us? I've been thinking about hope and imagination in these strange, strange days we are living in. They are truly strange, aren't they? I find myself using descriptive words like wonky and wobbly and weird way too often. 
And for us at Mayflower, our family here at Mayflower, we have the added strangeness of leadership changes and uncertainty about our future. COVID, a pastoral search, political division and unrest, environmental disasters, not to mention the daily trials and travails that we all face. These have mixed a strong cocktail of weariness and perplexity. I cannot be the only one feeling this burden of unresolved and unsettled reality. So, enter Jesus. For those of us who claim Christ, enter Jesus. May we be, may we be reminded of the embodied God who walked among us who understands inherently the strangeness of this world. If we are to look to Jesus in times of trouble, if God is our anchor in times of turbulence, if the Bible is to guide us, then here we are. We are in church together, in spirit, virtually maybe, but we're here to sort this out, to study and contemplate and listen and to practice a way of being together. In our Sunday services this fall, we're following the Revised Common Lectionary, which Jonathan described last week. This is a three-year cycle of weekly Bible readings used to varying degrees by the majority of mainline Protestant churches in America and Canada. During most of the calendar year, the lections include a reading from the Old Testament, a psalm, a reading from the epistles, and a gospel reading. We're following this cycle of scripture portions and readings with Christians all over North America. We are wrestling with the same texts and asking many of the same questions of these texts. So today's reading from the Psalms and from Matthew were, in a sense, preordained for us. As I sat with these passages and Jericho Brown's quote, I wanted to preach about hope and imagination. Yet when I read the passage from Matthew 22 selected for today, I was not encouraged. Taxes. Taxes. Who wants to talk about taxes? Here in this narrative, we find two groups who strongly disagree about paying a certain tax. Huh, this sounds familiar. Jesus is being confronted by two groups over the issue of the poll tax. We have the Pharisees and the Herodians. These adversaries join forces to try to trap Jesus in their questioning of him. This tricky maneuvering is wearying. All the entities attempting to discredit Jesus, this is not new news, this is not good news. And giving to the emperor or giving to Caesar what is Caesar's is not particularly compelling or hopeful. But is there more to this account? Might it actually be about hope and imagination after all? Well, let's look and see. On the one side were the Pharisees and their disciples who opposed the poll tax. It's also called the head tax or the census tax. This was not a tax that actually improved their lives. This wasn't a tax that made uh, roads clearer or access to clean water. This tax went right into the Roman aristocratic coffers. The Pharisees opposed the Roman occupation, and being the ardent nationalists that they were, to pay this tax was humiliating. It reminded them of the subjugation they lived under. Furthermore, the tax had to be paid with a Roman coin. The very currency represented blasphemy. The coin had a graven image of the emperor on one side and an inscription proclaiming the emperor's divinity on the other. The Herodians on the other side justified the paying of this tax. The Herodians were supporters of Herod the Great and Herod Antipas. Both Herods derived their power from Rome. Hence, paying the tax benefited those befriending Rome. In this you-scratch-my-back-I'll-scratch-yours arrangement, the Herodians wanted to reinforce their loyalty 
by insisting that Jesus pay this tax. Both sides have a vested interest in tripping Jesus up. If he says pay the tax, the Jews would essentially win and have the people turn against Jesus. If he says don't pay, the Herodians would feel victorious and the Roman rulers would turn against Jesus. Each group wants to be right and frame Jesus. This is really a yes or no question, pay or don't pay. There's a clear-cut answer. Jesus is kind of stuck. Or is he? In typical, clever, Messiah fashion, Jesus finds a creative third way, another option. Note that he asks for a coin. He doesn't carry one. There is not a blasphemous denarius in his pocket. He exposes the hypocrisy of his questioners and their desire to trap him. He responds by acknowledging the coin's portrait and inscription before he states, Give to the emperor what is the emperor's, or give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give to God what is God's. Does this answer their question? One commentator queries, Are we left without a definitive answer because payment is actually secondary to something else going on? Jesus concedes payment of the tax, yet affirms the all-encompassing reach of God's ownership in a way that relativizes imperial claims of a right to rule. While staring at a coin with an inscription that insists on the divinity of the emperor, Jesus reasserts God's ownership and God's rule. So Jesus does not stoop to their level. He rises above. He elevates the whole conversation. This is a potential model for us, isn't it, when we find ourselves in tricky situations and divisive dialogue? This answer that there are things that belong to the emperor and there are things that belong to God is provocative. Everything is God's anyway. We belong to God, not any emperor or any leader. One writer admits, It takes most of us a lifetime to discern that difference between what we think we own and who finally owns us. We are not to give the emperor more than the emperor is due. Do not give the emperor your faith or your ultimate allegiance. Do not forge a relationship with the emperor that forces you to figure out how God can rightly fit in that emperor's pocket. Do not give the emperor what belongs to God, for what belongs to God is vastly larger than what belongs to any emperor. Historically, this passage has been used to justify the separation of church and state, or to distinguish distinguish between the things of God and the things of the world, a dualistic way of thinking. Yet this can cause us to pigeonhole and fragment our faith. God on one side, and allegiance to the political powers of our day on the other. Yet it is clear that one supersedes the other. Jesus is not, according to Episcopal priest Michael Marsh, bifurcating our lives and our world. He is not asking us to divide our loyalties or compartmentalize our lives. Instead, He is holding before us the reality of God and the reality of our emperors. Both are real. Both are part of our lives and our world. Jesus is asking us to step into and live in the tension of those two realities. Because this tension can push us inward to examine our lives, to reflect on who we are and what we do. Whose image and title do I bear? Have I succumbed to the despair and division around me? Have I divided my loyalties? Or am I exercising an imagination to see what my physical environment deems impossible? The world around us 
may pull us in one direction or the other, but here is the invitation to go deep. This is where God is. Our reading from Psalm 96 reminds us of this, doesn't it? For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be revered above all gods. For all the gods of the people are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. The most creative God holds all things. Give to God what is God's. This is not a statement made in the first century to the Pharisaical and Herodian disciples only. This is a transcendent statement. Give to God what is God's. Release your grip on what you think is yours. All you have is God's. How you shepherd this and how you hold it is important especially in times of great division and uncertainty. Are we holding all we have and all we see with a limited imagination? In our conversations, in our interactions, in our choice of Facebook posts or yard signs or donations, are we exhibiting a sense of hope? Do we believe in the impossible? Do we believe in the redemption, the reconciliation, the restoration of all things? Do we believe that God can do this? Do we believe that God will make all things right? Do we believe that justice is important and possible? Do we believe in the dignity of all? That each person, regardless of where they're born or where they live or how much money they make, is made in the image and likeness of God? And do we hold out hope? that these divine image bearers will be honored and that we will create a world in which hope reigns. Can we be massively creative? This current culture is full of people who wield the swords of division and wield the hammers of disunity. But if we feel overwhelmed by what is happening in the world around us, can we be people who wield hope instead of fear? What if every Christian and every Mayflower member was known as a person who creatively wields hope? This Matthew passage ends with verse 22. When they heard this, they were amazed. So they left him and went away. One Bible commentator states, they marveled and went away. There are many who marvel but do not find God precious. They admire his wisdom, but will not be guided by it. They admire his power, but they will not succumb to it. They are not ready to give God what is God's. But when we acknowledge that the author and creator of the universe is amazing, that God is making all things new, when we see that God has not left us or forsaken us, When we are ready to give to God what is God's, there is an invitation. An invitation to creativity, an invitation to use our imaginations, and of course, there is an invitation to be hope wielders. In the name of the creator, redeemer, and sustainer, amen. We're grateful for the fiscal ability to worship together, even virtually. We also want to remember those 
who cannot give now. So let us reflect on giving as we listen to the offertory. clean hearts, O Lord, and renew a right spirit within us. 
Do not cast us away from your shadow or take your Holy Spirit from us. Restore to us the joy of our salvation and uphold us with a free spirit. Amen. to our congregational prayer. I ask you to pray with me to name the things that are on your heart, your worries, your joys, where you are, what you miss, what you love, what you enjoy. Clear all the chaos and clutter of your mind. Join in prayer and find a place to center yourself. Let us pray. Holy One, God and power of might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. As you heard the prayer of Isaac and Rebekah, O Lord our God, and guided them in the way of your love, so listen now to those who call upon you. Come and find the quiet center in the crowded life we lead. Find the room for hope to enter. Find the frame where we are freed. Clear the chaos and the clutter. Clear our eyes that we can see all the things that really matter. Be at peace and simply We thank you for autumn's crisp bear and promise of harvest. And as we spend more time indoors, God, we also acknowledge ongoing concerns about the coronavirus. We pray for safety in our workplaces, schools, and neighborhoods, and for physical, emotional, and economic well-being of our communities. We pray for those in positions of leadership in government, education, law enforcement, health care, and religious institutions. Help them lead with wisdom and discernment during these challenging times. Grant us all the patience calm and commitment to be caring neighbors, seeking the welfare of our communities, and working together to protect the most vulnerable in our midst. 
Merciful God, we lift up to you those known to us and those known to you. Those who are in need of your healing touch, your healing touch on their bodies, their minds, their souls. Hold close all who mourn the loss of dearly beloved. Assure us once again that love is more powerful than death. Silence is a friend who claims us, cools the heat and slows the pace. God it is who speaks and names us, knows our being, touches base, making space within our shades to show the sun, raising courage when we're shrinking, finding scope for faith. Knowing your love extends to all humanity and all creation, we pray for your presence in all places of the world, places afflicted by war, injustice, poverty, famine, disease, and weather-related calamities. Watch over refugees, migrants, prisoners, those who battle addiction, and all who lack safe and secure shelter and nourishment. God, in these times, you remain the rock on which we stand. You are our strength, our refuge, our hope, our guide. Grant us, we pray, wisdom, humility, and the desire to become instruments of your peace. And now hear us as we pray, as your son taught, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, And save us from the time of trial. And deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Shall we pray to God who 
In a world that feels increasingly topsy-turvy and upside down, may we not fall prey to the division, the duality, and the fear that encircles us. May we not give to the emperor what is rightly God's. And may you be full of imagination for what the physical environment deems impossible. And may you use your creative power to wield hope. Amen.